Thank you, Luke. Well, it's great to be in church today. Who agrees? Yeah. If you are visiting with us, I want to say a great big welcome to you, and we pray that um, you can stick around afterwards and get to know us a little bit more. But last Sunday I was at Elliston. We celebrated our one-year anniversary of uh, going up there and doing services at Elliston, so that was exciting, and it seems to have gone so fast. I can't believe it, um, how fast it has gone. And Sam Whitaker, have you been in a boxing match or something? Looks like, he looked like Rocky. <coughs> Also, our, our mission team is going really well in Thailand, and, and uh, I had an email from Michael yesterday, and he said it is going awesome, so uh, they're very excited about the things that God is doing there uh, while they're traveling around Thailand. And um, just another commercial before I get right into the word this morning is, I'm really excited about Heartbeat on Tuesday night this week. Um, you'll see that in the announcements later, but I want to get in first. And uh, I, I'm always excited where people come into the house of God um, in those extra meetings because I know that people are hungry for something more and something better. And uh, those nights are open for everybody, but we talk about leadership things. We talk about the, the future for the church, where we're heading. And uh, it's, it's more intensive, I guess, to um, develop the call of God upon your life. So uh, I'm excited about that. And also next week, I'm really excited. We've got Gerard Keehan. Uh, the pioneer pastor of Hillsong London, and he'll be here with us, and he's looking for salvations. He said to me on Friday, he goes, he can't wait, he really believes God's going to do something good among us, and he's wanting to see uh, people get saved and know Jesus and be set free of uh, their old life. So maybe you've got some friends who need that, well, bring them along next Sunday, um, and I'm sure God will minister to them. You're probably wondering what's on our screens there, that's my first PowerPoint, Alignment Part 3. If you've been around in church for the last few weeks, um, I've been speaking about this word alignment and how important it is in our lives to be aligned to the right things. So uh, you can catch all these on our podcast. um, If you want to find that, talk to one of the 10-year-old kids and I'll tell you how to find it. Um, But we have podcasts and you can catch up on all the the other um, series on, on the alignment message. But the first week we looked at alignment with God. And how important it is that we align our heart with God. We're going to look into that. Uh, it's all, why, all through what I'm speaking. This part two was alignment with other people or alignment with the, with the right friends and you being the right kind of friend. And part three today is alignment in church or alignment with the church. And uh, it's really, really important that we grasp some of these concepts um, and apply them to our life because it will change our experience and change the life outcomes for the better. So I'm going to begin with a story this morning, Um, the story of Goldilocks. Who's ever heard that story? Goldilocks and the Three Bears. It sort of goes like this. I'm not going to read out the exact story, but you you sort of know, and you can tell me if I'm telling it wrong. But Goldilocks went to the house of the Three Bears and found porridge on the table. Remember that part of the story? She finds a porridge on the table, and the first bowl was what? Too Too hot. The next bowl was too cold. And the third bowl was just right. Gee, you know the story. You can preach it for me. Then the next thing, she goes into the, into the living room and she sits on the big chair and it was too big. Now, that was the bed. You're getting it wrong, guys. We'll get there. 
She found the first chair and that, that was too big. And the next chair, that was, that was also too big. And the third chair was just right. And she sat on it and broke it. Then she went to the bedrooms. Here we go. The first bed was too hard. The next bed was And the third bed just right. And she fell asleep in it. Now, if we were to apply the Goldilocks principle to finding the right church, we would conclude that it all depends on everything being just right. Yes, thank you. You're fast learners. But you know something? I can guarantee you that you're going you're gonna to search through life and find that in lots of things, including church, everything's not going to be just right. And if it is, you'll sit on it and break it. The problem with that generally is it's not always possible to find everything just right. If you happen to find that place, if you happen to find a church that you think this is just right, just what I've been looking for, then you are truly blessed. I'm not saying it's impossible, but you've got to be you've got to recognize I'm blessed to find this kind of a place that's just right for me. But what, I'm going to give you some keys about finding the right church and and hopefully you can apply these things, but You've got to surround yourself and get around people who think positive about the church they are. You know, because we often speak words like the church they go to or the church that they are in. But you are the church. That's the most important factor that you need to recognise today about finding things that are just right is you are the church that you are. We are not in a church. We don't go to church. We are the church. And sometimes you'll find those that like uh, that the, the porridge is too hot. And sometimes you find people in the porridge is too cold and they're probably eating somebody else's porridge. It's like they're trying to live the experience of church through somebody else's eyes, through somebody else's experience. And what, what we need to be really aware of is that if I'm eating somebody else's porridge, then I'm not, I'm not in the place where God wants me to be. I mean, it's so deep, it's incredible. Goldilocks wandered into somebody else's perfect and expected it to fit her. Because the hot porridge is perfect for Papa Bear. The cold porridge is perfect for Mama Bear. Be careful of Mama Bears, they can hurt. And the, the in-between porridge was perfect for a little baby bear. And, and, and we've got to recognise churches can be like that three bears house. But if you're living your life on the expectations and the experiences trying to eat someone else's porridge, it's going to be unpalatable for you. You're not going to love it. But God wants you to experience something in him where you find the place where you love being you and you create that environment around you. It's not something that others put in front of you. Alignment with God in your life includes belonging to the right people. We call that church um, who share the same salvation. The same values. The best church for any individual is the one they love. And wild horses can't keep you away from that kind of a church. Rick Warren puts it like this. Oh, there's the three bears. Oh. <laughs> too hard, too soft. I should have put that up earlier so you couldn't get it wrong. Sorry, let's go back. 
As Christians, this is what Rick Warren says, as Christians, we're called to belong, not just to believe. And so we've got to have that place, that body where we are part of. Aligning yourself with your church looks like this. There's three, three little things here. Alignment with church. Be aligned with the vision. Proverbs 29 verse 18 in the very first part of it in the King James Version says, where there is no vision, the people perish. We could put it in, other, in lots of other ways in other versions of the Bible, describe it differently. But we could say that people without a vision have no purpose. And part of being active in the church is finding the purpose and the place where you fit. So that you're not just, you're not just sitting and, and coming along as a, as, a, um, as a spectator, but you're actively finding the place where you fit, where the ministry is outworked in your life. And every single person has a ministry that's got to be unlocked and has got to be discovered and got to be outworked. I think it's really sad that, that it, you know, I know some people have been in this church for, for a long, long, long time, but you've got to take time and analyse, that's a big word there, analyse where you are today and whether you've moved forward in the call of, and the ministry of God or whether you've stayed the same or in fact whether you have retreated and gone backwards. And I want to tell you today, you've got to use this message today to decide that I don't want to be where I am today, but I want to pursue forward into the plan and the call that God has placed upon my life. Because we've got to apply the principle that, um, that Jesus spoke about when he said there was a, a man gave his servants some, some money and he said one servant took the money and buried it in the ground, one servant went and invested it, the other servant invested it. When the master came back, he said, what have you done with what I gave you? And they said, well, I, the one said, well, you gave me five and I've, I've doubled it. Here's ten. The other one said, you gave me so much and I've increased it as well. And the other guy says, well, you gave me just this little bit and I buried it in the ground. Here's what's yours. Just be happy with that. And it says the master was furious and sent him to be punished. Oh, that's for a loving God. But you know something? God has invested in your life treasure and, and things that are possessive, possessive of heaven. Well, that's a good spit then. And, and we have a responsibility to present those things to Jesus in heaven multiplied. So I want to challenge you that point there is aligned with vision is you need to start to align yourself with a purpose and a, and a, and a reason for being in church and saying, God, I don't want to be... Five years' time where I am today, and, and by the way, we're coming up to our sixth anniversary here in the church in January, and I want to tell you something, I can be honest because I'm your pastor and I love you, we're going to talk about this later, and I've seen people who've retreated backwards, I've seen people who've stayed where they've been for five years, and I'm thinking, that's, that's got to change. And it's not up to me. I can't carry you over the line. I can't give you the treasure. God has given you that treasure, and he wants you to produce something with it. Ouch, that hurts. Second one, you've got to be aligned with the leaders. Um, being aligned with your leaders in your church is it's having common goals can be set and achieved. In Judges chapter 5, verse 2, it says uh, this is the story of Deborah who led the, the Israelites into a victorious battle. She said this in her song. Israel's leaders took charge and the people gladly followed. There's a principle of alignment with your leaders. 
And, and you know, sometimes you might find that relationship can be strained. Sometimes that relationship can be, can be um, uh, I guess, diverted in the wrong direction. But you need, to, you need to discover the power is in aligning yourself with others who have been given leadership. And, you know, if you're following leaders who have taken leadership for themselves and, and use it for the wrong things, then you need to ask yourself, why are you following them? But when you have godly leadership, pure leadership, loving leadership, then you need to say, well, how do I serve in that army, so to speak? How do I play my part? And there's all different parts. When we align ourselves under leadership, some people might be buglers, some people might be riflemen, some people might be gunners. In the right sense, they fire big cannons. Some people are into cooking food. Others are into moving transport around. But you've got to find your place and align it with leaders because every person doing their own thing, doing it their own way, no army never wins anything when they do it like that. You think, but I'm okay. I'm safe. I've got my little bunker. I've got enough food for me, enough bullets for me, enough security for me. Church is never about me. It's about us. It's about victories that need to be won, ground that needs to be taken. The third thing, we've got to be aligned with mission. Basically, that's your own mission that God has, has created you to produce and to do. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 5. Is it? No, 58, sorry. I love this verse. If you want to take anything home with you today, put this one in your pocket. Nothing you ever do for the Lord is ever useless. And I think that the... the, the conflict we have as believers is sometimes we just never do anything and that's not good for the Lord nothing you ever do for the Lord is ever useless and I can tell you that that equates to shaking people's hands at the door vacuuming the floor going to your neighbor and 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 giving them a meal uh helping someone who's broken down on the side of the road because you know that's what God wants you to do anything at all that you do because you know that represents Jesus into the world that you live in is never useless. The whole thing is you you might not ever get a pat on the back. You might not ever get noticed for it. You might not ever have um, an award given to you. But you know something? It's noticed in heaven. See, church should be a place with clear vision. Vision is important. It should be balanced with leadership, and people willing, <clears throat> pardon me, willing to grow. It should be a place of faith, incredible faith. And warfare is achieved when the church worships together. You know, I love the time of worship. It's not just filling up the morning so that, you know, we just have preaching and go home. It's where we all can worship and sing our praise to God. Because in that worship time, we actually defeat the plans of the devil. Because he wants us to be focused on all the negatives of life, all the things that he's thrown at us all week, all the conflict and all the troubles and all those things. And when we can say, despite all that, I'm still worshipping God, then we put God on the throne of our life. And when you have a whole group of people doing that, it's actually a spiritual warfare going on that pulls down and demolishes the devil's strongholds. I think um, <clears throat> the most disappointment or the most disappointing of church for a person 
is to find Jesus and only to be turned off by an unfriendly church. Or really bad examples of that would be described as a toxic kind of church environment. I'm going to use our vision statement and show some, something here. Our vision is to be a large relevant church of mature believers, and I've underlined this part, who love our community. Loving our community begins by loving this community. Loving each other in the house of God, in the church. See, community starts in here. When we love the church that we are, as I've explained earlier, it changes everything. It is our goal to create an environment in church of belonging. We do that by extending our friendships and including others. It's okay to have good friends, and I love seeing uh, good groups in church where people uh, have close friendships. That's really good. But it's even better to be known as a church who welcomes others and helps others to get into our groups. Because that's what people need and that's what people are looking for is to belong to something and we've got to extend our friendships and include others. I want to ask you, when's the last time you extended your group of friends within church? And it's something you've got to constantly be doing. I'm not saying you don't value the friends that you've had for a long time. I'm not saying that it's not important to have you know, special people in your life that you've maybe grown up with. But you've also got to be saying, well, my, my, my uh, purpose in life is to help build the kingdom of God and help people to connect with God. And we do that by helping them connecting with others who have the same salvation. We, we need to be known as a welcoming church. 2 Timothy 2.22, it says, Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. So you get with people who are genuine. Genuine in their relationship with Jesus. Sometimes not everyone is. Find people who are genuine with their relationship with Jesus so that they're basically saying, I'm aiming at the same things that you're aiming for. We're on the same bus. So some people might turn up at church, but they're not... They're not on the same bus. They're not dealing with the issues that they should be dealing with. Uh, the second thing is um, get with people um, that are on the, on the right page in their relationship with others. They're not just you know, causing problems and, and blowing up relationships all around them. A pure heart is pure-hearted people, is kind, is generous, is forgiving, is tolerant, is patient and loving. A pure-hearted person likes to see justice done. Pure-hearted people are honest about their own struggles. Now, have you ever felt a bit intimidated uh, by those who seem to have it all together? And you kind of think, like, they never, they never struggle with what I struggle with. They never fight with their husband or wife. They never seem to have money problems. They just seem to always just be, just always perfect their life. And they have it all together. And then Somewhere down the track you discover that, that they're getting divorced or they're going bankrupt, but they appeared to be so together. You know, we don't need relationships like that all the time. We need people who are going to be honest and real. And you know, if you scratch under the surface, most people, if they're going to be honest and real, you'll find that there's a little bit of mess. There's something special in having friends in church that you can be honest with. And even more special when... You extend your friendships to strangers. 
You need friends in church that you can pray with. Oh, that's a novelty. You need friends in church that you can pray with. That's where the strength will come into the church is when people begin to pray together. Not at prayer meetings, not at special set times, but where you talk to your friends and they're saying, you know what, I'm struggling right now. Or, you, you know, another thing, I'm having a really great time at the moment. And you say, that's awesome, let's pray about that. Let's give thanks to God for that. Let's pray for your problem. Let's stick together and let's trust God. It's going from the natural to the supernatural. And if it doesn't happen in church, it never happened anywhere. <clears throat> If you don't have those kinds of friends in church, you haven't experienced church how Jesus designed it. If I was ever to ask everyone to close their eyes right now and say, have you ever, have you ever just had uh, a prayer time with a friend in church? I'd probably, I'd probably be surprised at how many people haven't. Ephesians 6 verse 18 says, Pray in the Spirit at all times, on every occasion. Stay alert and be persistent. In your prayers for all believers everywhere. I'll just pull this apart a little bit. We need to align ourselves in the church with our church because we are the church and we need to align ourselves and commit ourselves to prayer. Pray in the Spirit is about praying beyond the natural solutions but believing for heaven's intervention. It's so easy to think of, of praying. And, then, and, and I know many, many people have prayed like this and said, well, I prayed for a specific answer and it didn't happen. Therefore, I don't trust God anymore. But when we pray according to our own limited perspective, we'll always be disappointed with God. But when we start to pray with a supernatural perspective and saying, God, I'm going to lay it at your feet. I'm going to pray in the spirit at all times on every occasion. And I'm going to trust you with what happens, even if it's not what I thought should happen. Your life will take on a better perspective, will take on a bigger capacity. See, every occasion is birthdays, dinner time, when you're sick and when you're well. Pray all the time. Learn to find or find someone you can pray with. You only need one and you can start to, to change your spiritual future. I know there was a time in my life in my mid-twenties and I, I got around a group of friends and, and we'd just be praying all the time. It's an incredible time to be, to be with a group of people who you can say, you know, oh, I don't know if she loves me or not when you're in that age. <laughs> and you have a friend who says, that's okay, let's just pray about it. And then God shows you another, another person to chase after. Next thing is stay alert in your prayers. See, one of the dangers of driving long distances, you thought I was talking about me, I'm talking about someone else. (laughs) Stay alert. One of the dangers of driving long distances alone is fatigue. They all say that. You know, if you're going to drive long distances and you're alone, then you're much more likely to have an accident because your, your attention can lapse. But that's why it's important to find others to pray with, to stay alert, because when you're praying with others, you you can continue on and and encourage each other. You can stay alert. You're not going to fall asleep at the wheel and, and crash off the side of the road, but you'll have someone with you who can keep you alert and remind you of what you've been praying for. 
Keep your mind on it. Stay alert. Another one is be persistent. Pray with others until the breakthrough. Be persistent in your prayers. And that's something that, that um, gives us the expectation of faith by being persistent. Don't give up on the prayers that you've prayed, but continue with them. And find people again who can help you and be persistent in the prayers with you. I love the, the Wednesday morning prayer meetings at 7am for the men. We've got a group of men who come and we're persistent with our prayers. I know if you ask them and, and they could probably recite to you the prayers that I often pray. We don't always use this. I don't use a prayer book. We don't pray the same things. But I find myself praying a persistent prayer over the life of the church, over your families. I'm praying for the husbands uh, who aren't saved, who are married to women in our church. I'm praying for the women in our church who aren't saved, whose husbands are. And I'm, I'm praying for businesses. I'm praying for the schools. I'm praying for the other churches. I'm praying persistently with others. And we're, we're crying out to God to pour out something in our church and in our world. We want his kingdom come and we keep persisting until we see those breakthroughs. And the last bit, it says, pray for all believers everywhere. We've got to pray beyond our small world and be the church that prays <clears throat> for the world. You know, we're often praying for, for different things that we see around the world on the news on Wednesday mornings and we, we, we cry out for our missionaries, we we're praying for people who we know and people who we've never met before, but we know that the struggles that they're going through in the world today. One of our church culture words is inclusive. Inclusive is opposed to being exclusive. Have you ever felt excluded before? Where, you know, when I was a youth leader, um, we used to have a, a, a bad culture in the youth group where you'd want to go out after youth group and go to McDonald's or go to Hungry Jack's or something like that. And you'd, you'd think, well, we want to go, but we, we don't want everyone to go. So you'd sort of have to do a sneaky and, and, and sort of go, well, who knows who knows what and who knows where? And you'd sort of say, kids would say, hey, where are we going now? And say, oh, well, I'm just taking you home. I've had enough being a youth leader now. I just want to hang out with some friends. And uh, we'd have to do things a bit sneaky, but, uh, but sometimes they'd get, they'd get sort of sly about it and they know that you're up to something and they'll go around asking who, and they find out the plan. Or you're going to play snooker or something like that somewhere and they want to know. But it's a common human instinct to keep distance between those we don't know or have heard bad things about. We want to keep ourselves distant from certain people sometimes. It's just a human instinct that we have. In Acts chapter 9, verse 26, I've got it on the screen here for you. This is a guy called Saul who God intervened in his life. He later became Paul. But it says, when Saul arrived in Jerusalem, he tried to meet with the believers, but they were all afraid of him. They did not believe that he had really become a believer. Then Barnabas brought him to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord. See, I'm glad there was Barnabas in this situation, in this story. If Saul wasn't allowed in to see the believers, most of the New Testament we read wouldn't be there because it came from him. 
When you think of how, how easy that was. But there was an alignment made between Saul and the apostles in Jerusalem that changed church history. And we've got to think that, that every week we have people come into the churches, uh, come into this church, come into our world, and we can either say, well, we don't, we don't trust you, we don't need you, stay away. But we need to have a spirit of a Barnabas that brings people into the apostles or bring them into the fellowship of the church and allow them a place so that they can grow and they can flourish because we can never determine who is going to be a Saul who becomes a Paul who changes the church. I'm glad there was Barnabas. Saul aligned himself with the believers. That's the amazing thing is he was wanting to get in and they wouldn't let him. Isn't that amazing? Saul saying, I want, to, I want to join the church in Jerusalem. And they're saying, no, we don't want you. We're not letting you. I don't know how many times he, he went looking. I don't know how many times he asked, can I come in? And they're saying, well, don't. That's not what church should be. Saul aligned himself with the believers. They aligned with him and he changed his name to Paul. And God used him powerfully. And it all began when somebody allowed him to join in. So I want, to, I want you to consider the, the, the friendships that you have, the people who come into our church and the people you meet and you shake hands with. Have a coffee with. Say, hey, what are you doing this week? Can I have lunch with you? Can I spend some time with you? Can I talk with you? Come, come around to my house. Because that is where those relationships are made and you never know that person who, who may be a stranger but God has an incredible plan for their life. Alignment in church demonstrates where we are with God. Because we might say, hey, I'm sweet with God, he's sweet with me, but I don't need church. There is something I find suspicious about those who float about from place to place, but don't belong anywhere. I just find that suspicious or a little bit, little bit cautious about those kind of people. Loving God is demonstrated by loving people. And this should be demonstrated best in church, where we love each other, truly love each other. It's not using each other either. Sometimes we think, well, if you love me, you should let me use you. Well, it's not about using people. That's not what love is. Being part of the church that fits you is vital to fulfilling your call and potential. Remember Ephesians 4 verse 1, that we are, we are all called by God. And he says to live a life worthy of your calling because you have been called by God. Life is too short and your assignment in God is too important to waste it being unproductive in a church or in an environment that you don't love. We need to be looking and addressing the issues that keep people out of church. The unseen barriers or attitudes that distance people that keep people separated from the purposes of God. Unfortunately, church hasn't always been a safe place to be. And experience tells me that many people here today have the scars to prove it, that they've been in church and they've been hurt. So there's two things at work here that sometimes we can get misconstrued that's the difference between manipulation or love 
Because manipulation, believe it or not, can appear to be love. But it's something totally different. Intimacy, if we think of that word, but intimacy without security. If you're giving yourself intimately to somebody without security in that relationship, that leads to hurt and injury and emotional scars. Do you get where I'm coming from here? So if, you're, if you want to give yourself intimately to somebody and you're saying, well, I'm trusting you with my, my deepest feelings, I'm trusting you with my body even, but there's no commitment and no relationship that's binding in that intimacy, then you're going to be hurt, you're going to have an injury, and you'll have emotional pain. That's the difference between manipulation that is abusive and a relationship that's built on love. And sometimes we, we've, we've had an unloving relationship in church to each other, and we've had manipulative and abusive kind of friendships and relationships and which have hurt people and crushed people and injured people. And in some ways, allowing ourselves to be manipulated by others who have not demonstrated their commitment, just as believers, will hurt us spiritually, will hurt us emotionally, and we'll find ourselves saying, I want to keep distance from church. I don't want to go anywhere near that place. I'm staying away. We can do that in many ways. Religious, religious, uh, I guess, ways of doing church can also be just as destructive. Because of this, some people find it difficult to let people get close in church. And I know I've found that sometimes you think, well, I'm just trying to be nice. And some people are saying, don't come near. They, they won't answer their phone. They won't answer the front door. They won't accept your friendship. They're just like, no, because they've been hurt. They've, 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 they've gone into a level of intimacy, perhaps in a church. I'm talking about in a spiritual sense. They've allowed people into their life and that's been abused and they've been hurt. That's not how to build a great church. Love motivation doesn't seek control or power. It doesn't seek to control other people. It has a cleanness, a crispness to it. Love speaks because it seeks better for you when you can't see better for yourself. And sometimes that's the problem is, is, is we can't accept the love of others because we can't see love. And this morning, just ask you to bow your heads. The Holy Spirit wants to pour out into you and touch those hurts and heal them. And I know there's many people here today that you can relate to what I'm saying. We've got, to, we've got to step through into the place of discovering Jesus Christ again in our lives where we're, we're not eating from somebody else's porridge bowl. We're thinking, well, that one was too hot and that one was too cold, but we're finding that place where it's been created for us. You need to know you're not alone and you shouldn't live in isolation. You don't need to live in isolation. You are the church and the church is you. If we'll align ourselves with a Bible-believing, faith-filled community of people, we'll truly change the city of Port Lincoln. 
We've got to pray against the barriers causing people to keep distance from others. We've got to pray a growing sense of belonging as a natural uh, expression of our experience in God. And I want to pray for forgiveness of past wrongs because it will set you free. So this morning, I'm going to pray for those things. And I'm going to ask that, that if you need prayer, if you identify in your life in any of those areas, then just slip up your hand. No one's looking around. This is personal time. But you can say, Lord Jesus, I want, I want these things to be different in my life. I want to pray for people if you've felt that, that and you know, you've analyzed yourself. As I spoke earlier this morning, you think, I really haven't grown. And one of the saddest things is some of you will be thinking, and I don't even care. Well, you need to care. You need to care. So right now, just as I pray, you can slip up your hand and say, pray for me. Holy Spirit, move in me as these prayers are being prayed. Lord Jesus, I just pray right now that we align ourselves with Bible-believing, faith-filled people that we align ourselves in a church that is full of faith. Lord, I pray against the barriers that cause people to, to keep their distance, that don't allow others to, to get close where they can really change. So Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus, take the barriers down. Lord, I pray for a growing sense of belonging in the church, that we know who we are and where we belong. And Lord, I pray... And help people, Lord God, to let go of some of the baggage that we let go and are freed into forgiveness, Lord God. Lord, we let go of those past wrongs. And Lord, we want to embrace freedom that comes from you in Jesus' name. Amen.